Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 184 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week on the podcast, I invited several past guests to join me in honoring the life and photography of another former guest, Jack Curran. Jack passed away on September 24th, and his black and white photography was an inspiration to many photographers. However, he was even more than a photographer to so many. He was a generous, thoughtful, funny, and caring soul who helped so many others in life. He was also an early supporter of this podcast and was one of the most generous people I've met in our community. For this panel episode, our panelists and I shared fond memories of Jack and his photography. Our panel includes Jennifer King, John Barkley, Chuck Kimmerly, and Brooks Jensen. In Jack's obituary, he asked for donations to the following charities, Trout Unlimited, Harris House Treatment and Recovery Center, and the International Photography Hall of Fame. You can see links to those in the show notes. All right, let's get to the show. All right, well, thank you to our amazing panelists for joining us for, I guess, what you could call a, a somber conversation, but also hopefully an uplifting one. We are here to remember and talk about our friend and fellow photographer, uh, Jack Curran, and talk about his photography and how great he was as a person. And so we have a really fantastic group of photographers here with us today, including John Barkley and Brooks Jensen, Jennifer King, and Chuck Kimmerly, and all people who have formerly been on the podcast. So thank you all for coming back on the show to talk about to talk about our friend Jax. Um, so I guess we can start off with uh, with you, John. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then also how did you meet Jack? Sure. I'm out in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. I've uh, been photographing you know, seriously since uh, the late 90s, started a workshop business, became quote-unquote professional, I guess, back in 2004. Actually, Chuck and I have done some workshops together and had had great time doing that. I, I like to do that. I do some works with a, another black and white photographer, and this is kind of leading up to how I met Jack, uh, Cole Thompson and Mitch DeBrowner. I love black and white. Chuck and Cole and Mitch are three of my absolute favorite photographers uh, and specifically my favorite black and white photographers. Um, and then I learned later uh, about Jack and was fortunate enough to uh, most recently have dinner with he and a, another friend who's been on the podcast, Josh Cripps. Actually, Cole was supposed to be there, but he had an emergency to get home. So I had a nice opportunity to meet at Mitch DeBrowner's house, have wonderful conversation together, get to know each other a lot better there because we spent the better part of a half a day hanging out at Mitch's house and then had some dinner together. And it was through passion for black and white photography, for sure, and my love of following these great photographers that I admire so much uh, that led me to Jack. And I think he, we found out that he was coming out to the Eastern Sierra. He had never been to the Alabama Hills, and Mitch DeBrowner has another place in that area. And so we just were able to have a, a wonderful, serendipitous, almost meeting uh, and get to know each other quite well. That's awesome. Uh, what about for you, Brooks? Um, I hadn't met Jack, uh, until he submitted actually to Lensworks Seeing in Sixes. And, uh, the very first year he submitted, I, I think it was six or seven projects. And we would have been delighted to publish any one of those projects in the Seeing in Sixes book. 
And uh, clearly, he's an incredibly talented individual. And I had a chance to talk with him, and I asked him how come he never had submitted to lens work before. And, and he... <laughs> He, he sort of confessed that he was a little intimidated. And I said, that's silly. He, Jack, sent the stuff in. So he sent it in again the, the following year, another five or six portfolios. And we would have been happy to publish all of them, but, but we just couldn't. But we now had so much material from him that I asked him about doing a monograph of his work in the Lenswork monograph series. And he was delighted to do so. So we ended up doing a monograph of six image projects of his called 11 by 6. And that was our first introduction to him, both as a photographer and, um, and then later as a workshop instructor when he invited me to co-instruct with him at the recent uh, Out of Chicago in-depth event that took place in uh, August. And I'll talk more about that later. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, what about uh, for you, Jennifer? Well, I met Jack um, actually first by telephone. He had called um, and heard that I was speaking in St. Louis at the MONAP uh, event, which is a yearly nature photography expo. And he was from St. Louis. So he reached out and said, I heard you're going to be there. I'd love to come out and meet you. So we actually met in St. Louis. And we talked a little bit. It was kind of a busy weekend. And interestingly enough, he just left this card on a little table where some of my stuff was sitting. Didn't realize it. But when I was picking my stuff up to leave and go back home, there was this card sitting next to one of mine. And they were they really were identical, which I thought was strange. How can two business cards be so identical? Anyway, so we chatted a little. And of course, we were both um, in Yosemite. We both arrived about four days, three, four days early. So the first morning I had got up to do some photography and some scouting, he walked up behind me in the parking lot and he said, Hey, Jennifer. <laughs> so we spent, you know, a few days going around photographing and taking some hikes and scouting. And, you know, I guess for me, it, you know, it went further than that. We became friends and, you know, we got to spend a lot of time during the lockdown planning workshops. So we actually have workshops that are scheduled for next year um, that I'll need to, you know, make some adjustments to. And, but we talked a lot about photography. He was, he was very active in keeping in touch with me during COVID, um, which I always appreciated and consider him not just a colleague, um, and an amazing photographer, but he became a friend. I'm very happy that I had that opportunity. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the greatest things about this pursuit of landscape photography, at least for me, is you get to meet such amazing people that you share such a passion with. And it often develops into much more than just a, a collegial acquaintance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Chuck? Because Jack and I are both uh, exclusively black and white photographers, we've been emailing you know back and forth for a while and i ran into him a couple of times out west um once in death valley uh once out near the alabama hills just serendipity and and um hung out just a little bit on one of those he was working um and then um we presented together at the Moab Photo Symposium where we hung out a bit and did some photography and we got along really well he's such a nice guy um it's impossible not to like him. And I've just always really admired his work. 
to his work uh, because he started supporting this podcast uh, on on my Patreon, and and he started reaching out to me and giving me some advice around uh, different people that I that he was interested in to reach out to, and he actually connected me with with Brooks uh, probably about a year ago now, and he's um, he's just always been such a nice guy to me, I actually. Met him for the first time at Out of Yosemite, I think the same time you did, Jennifer. And basically, we spent the entire conference uh, ribbing each other over color photography and black and white photography, talking, you know, he would always tell me to come to the dark side. So I, I always got a kick out of um, <laughs> out of his sense of humor and just his willingness to, to, rib, to rib you whenever he possibly could. And I, I love people that are able to do that, especially if they don't know you very well. I think that's just a sign of a really awesome person but that maybe is just me so i'm curious like what is one of your favorite memories of jack and i guess we can pick on john barkley to go first (laughs) had thought about you know that might be something you'd ask about but when jennifer was speaking it reminded me of that moment actually and i think it speaks to the heart of of who jack was Jack, and again, here we are in pandemic. It's really difficult times. And what does Jack do? He reaches out to me to introduce me to Jennifer. I'd known of her work before, but I had not met her in any way, shape, or form. And because he was very concerned about Jennifer, concerned about her business and what was going on for all of us, obviously, who suffer, well, continue or have suffered uh, through this pandemic. And to me, that's you know, the epitome of who he was. He was always ready and not only ready, I think it's, that's not enough in my mind. I think he was always looking for opportunities to connect people, to help people. So not only was he, you know, doing great work as we all know, but he was a super good human being. And that's, I think what you, you saw in Jack right away. So that first memory that comes to my mind is his willingness to reach out for his friend, Jennifer, to me to see if I might be able to add any value or help uh, during a difficult time. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Brooks. I had a, a, a fascinating example of humanity from Jack that I, I just wanted to share. Um, because Maureen had been so sick for so long and particularly was was really struggling in the summer months when we were talking about doing this uh, out of Chicago event that Jack had invited me to teach. And it, it, it was it was a difficult time for me, and Jack made it better. He smoothed things. He took control. He put together the whole workshop, et cetera. And, <clears throat> and as it turns out, Maureen died um, not long after that event. And Jack and I were doing some reviews for the participants who had participated. And uh, I had to postpone those because of obvious reasons. And um, But the day before we were going to have Maureen's burial, I contacted Jack via email and I said, Jack, uh, you know, we're burying Maureen tomorrow and I'm starting to feel a little guilty that we haven't done the final reviews that we needed to do. And uh, let's do those next week after things have calmed down. And he immediately wrote back and said, no, no, no. He said, you, you need some more time with your family. And so d- don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get it done when we get it done. Let's, you know, maybe the following week after that. But, uh, but no, I, I want you to not feel pressure about it. And I said, thanks, Jack. That, that's a sweet thing. And the next morning, 
as I was getting ready to to go to Maureen's burial, I got an email and uh, from Jennifer Renwick that that afternoon, shortly after Jack and I had exchanged those emails about that scheduling issue, uh, he had uh, passed away riding his bike. And so uh, the last memory I have of Jack and the last interchange I have with Jack was, was it him having compassion toward me and saying, you know, that that's okay. Don't feel bad. We'll get to it when we get to it. And that's the kind of guy that Jack was from my experience is that he, uh, he was not just a, a terrific artist and a terrific photographer and, and had compassion for people, but he put his compassion into motion. And uh, that, that's something I'll remember forever. Yeah, that resonates a lot with me as well. I feel like every interaction that I had with Jack, he was trying to help me or help somebody else. And I think, you know, that's just was part of his DNA. It's something that I'll never uh, forget. Uh, Jennifer. Yeah, um, I, I completely relate to that. I think Jack was probably one of the kindest, most generous people I have ever met. Um, you know, I think we all meet people in our lifetime that have a really strong impact on who we are as photographers and people. And, you know, Jack was funny. He was absolutely funny. One of the first things he said to me was come over to the dark side, <laughs> come over to the dark side. He said it all the time. It was like, I don't think I can, but um, I did, you know, for a while and started working black and white with him. We spent time. He was teaching me and, and tutoring me. We had a lot of Zoom classes and meetings and that was wonderful. But he was extremely generous with with himself and a very compassionate person. Um, and I, I just remember times because we were working on ideas and concepts. We were in touch a good bit from February through through June and working pretty hard on our ideas and my black and white work. And I would start to fall off just out of frustration of rescheduling so much. And, and I would fall off. And usually I'm pretty good about sending a, you know, a little photo. I take it in black and white, or he would send something. He was working on a new series of clouds. Um, and that was kind of his theme. And he was telling me that in August and I fell off the, you know, radar again, I guess. And he, um, a couple of weeks before he passed, he sent a message where, you know, where are you? <laughs> and, uh, I ended up with a two page email and he said, we need to do a zoom meeting this week. And, uh, cause I guess I was probably just a little out of character and a little stressed out, but, uh, mm -hmm. he, he was there. He was there for absolutely everybody that ever knew him. Um, and I, I think that is also evident if anyone watched the virtual memorial service from his personal friends and family as well. This is something that transposed throughout his life um, and a, an amazing person. Yeah, I remember I'd reached out to somebody who lived in his apartment complex uh, that knew him and she said the exact same thing that he was always so generous. He would, I think she had mentioned like she would just, that he would leave books out for people to read because he knew they didn't have money or resources to to buy books. And he would just leave them books to, to read that he had. So I was like, yeah, that sounds like Jack. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead, John. Yeah. Bill Neal. I mean, just to continue on with this theme, Bill Neal and I were uh, communicating with him because uh, Bill had asked a question I forget where it was, but uh, 
both Jack and I had seen the question, which was about what filters were you using? And, you know, I'm a Singray ambassador. And so I was saying, hey, look, you know, let me know and I'll see what I can do to get you connected with the Singray. And then I forget, Haida, how do you pronounce those filters? Haida? I think that's right. Yeah. Haida, yeah. I think that's who Jack had a relationship with. And so there he was again, hopping in that conversation. And last I talked to Bill Neal when we kind of communicated because we were so shocked with the, the sudden news. You know, Bill said the very last conversation, much like Brooks was just talking about, was uh, with with Jack and Bill having this conversation about how does how he'll help uh, you know Bill get connected and so forth, and it was just so shocked, uh, sudden and shocking, you know, because here he was just talking to him that morning and before that bike ride. So a lot like you, Brooks, it was just really shocking. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, for you, Chuck? Um, I don't really think in terms of favorite memory, but. I do recall when we went out photographing one morning in Moab, just him and I, um, I mean, how much fun he had. He was, he was, uh, you know, childlike in a good way, if you know what I mean. Very, very excited. You know, everything, everything interested him. He, um, it wasn't a great morning. wasn't great stuff to photograph, but his, his attitude was undimmed. He was just happy to be out and it was, really fun and inspiring just to hang out with somebody with such a wonderful outlook. Mm. It's a, can be infectious, that kind of attitude. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like uh, people in the photography community had, had quite the role model to look up to in terms of someone to, to emulate and to try to, you know, act like he did because every time I think about, being down or, you know, connecting with other people. I think I always think of Jack, like he's always so gracious with how he helps other people. And I think we have a lot to learn. Not, well, not you guys, but I know me personally, I have a lot to learn when it comes to that. So Jack was a role model for me in that regards. Well, this actually goes to both, but I did want to share some of the comments that came to me from people that he inspired um, these are people from Yosemite, um, that also did the online conference or just mutual friends. Um, I got an outpouring of emails and, and comments. So let's see, Howard Levine said, I felt so lucky to be with Jack in Yosemite. He was patient and he made me feel as if I were the only student there. I shall remember the day with Jack and his help with many photos. He was important to me and so many others in how we make photos. I had uh, Chris Williams. He said he was a great guy and his work really inspired me to push further into black and white photography, really going to miss his images and his presence. Sandra Gaetan loved his way of seeing light and shadows. Christine Gill, deeply saddened by the loss of such a great talent. A personal friend of his, Matthew Goldsmith, as a current St. Louis resident, I had come to know Jack as a friend, and he went on to tell me he spoke very fondly of me as well, which meant a lot. He said he will indeed be missed, but he would want the black and white community photo workshop and everything to proceed. Scott Aveda, who is um, a St. Louis member of MONEP, which is a very large nature photo association over there, and has also had Jack as a speaker, said, after 25 years of programs, it is evident when you have someone special, and Jack was very special, 
Immediately, you knew he had the passion and thoughtfulness to take his craft to the next level. Jack was engaging and had a willingness to share his wisdom, to teach and not to preach. After time with Jack, people were excited and wanted to see the world again in a different light. Jack's legacy will continue and all those he touched. We miss you. I just wanted to share those thoughts. Well, thank you. Yeah. That that's awesome. Thanks for collecting those for us. <laughs> well, let's talk about more about Jack's photography. I'm curious for each of you, what did his photography mean to you? Uh Chuck. Um well, if you look at Jack's work, he um, he photographs a lot of things that are actually heavily photographed. The Death Valley sand dunes, Botany Bay, uh, his botanical series, Iceland, the, the St. Louis Arch. So uh, much of what he photographs has already been done, but the way he does it and the way he presents it um, is is actually, it's new. It, it's like you've never seen it before. Um, I know Brooks uh, and Lens work. I think um, uh, sand dunes are the biggest, um, the biggest portfolio, the biggest number of portfolios that are um, sent into Lens work. And I don't think he has published a sand dune portfolio in the last fifteen years. And um, you know, Jack got sand dune pictures in his. Uh, in his uh, monograph because they were just so stellar. And if they weren't, uh, Brooks surely would not have published them. So he can take a regular scene, something that we all see, and he can present it with his, um, I think his consistency of vision. He's, he's very smooth in how he presents everything. Everything looks related, even if it's not. And he presents it in such a Jack way that, that it becomes very special and, and I, I hate to use the word sublime, uh, but in this case, I think it actually fits. Yeah, that resonates for me. I, I feel like his his processing was very unique to him and the way that he sees uh, sees light. Like he, I guess for me, when I look at his work, it's always like he knew when he took the photo that he was going to totally present it in a, in a wild and different way in black and white using um and just using lightroom too which is to me that's fairly unique in our industry right now in terms of he just uses the one tool and has just really figured out how to use it to maximize his vision in a in the black and white world which i super appreciated so yeah what's go ahead chuck i was just gonna uh, kind of feed off of your um your, your Lightroom reference, because I think Jack had, had told me once that, um, you know, he, he looks at everything he does digitally as if he's working in a darkroom, which is why he likes Lightroom so much. And, and he's actually one of the reasons I no longer hate Lightroom. Um, I didn't <laughs> use Lightroom till probably two years ago. I, I, I started off with like Lightroom 1.2 and it was worthless and I kind of gave up on it. But when Jack was telling me how, you know, that's pretty much all he uses, I had to go back and take a look at it again because, you know, there's no doubt in how successful he is with it. So he's sort of a guy with an old traditional film heart, but um, using the digital tools to, to his advantage. 
Yeah, he was a real master about using the radial filter and the gradiated filter and the brush, and he really understood um, how to use those to his advantage to bring out different tonalities in the in the black and white and everything in between. Um, I remember I was at a back in April. He presented at Out of Chicago Live on his Lightroom processing, and I decided to come. Well, he invited me because he said you can come heckle me, but really, what he what he wanted me to do was like kind of be a plant and help ask questions and things like that. And he just, he just knocked it out of the park. And like, I learned a ton in, in that presentation about Lightroom that I had never thought about using it that way. So he was definitely a visionary when it came to how he used that tool for his photography. Um, I guess where I would really love to hear about, um, how Brooks feels about, uh, uh, Jack's photography and, and kind of what it means to, to Brooks, because I know, you know, you published a lot of his work in your magazine, which I think is a relatively rare event <laughs> to have so much stuff published in lens work. So tell us, tell us what you think. Well, interestingly enough, not long ago, uh, Jack sent in to us three bodies of work to consider for publication in, in lens work. And uh, again, we looked at uh, three different portfolios, each with 30 or 40 images and thought, gosh, we, we could publish this entire thing. It was so gorgeous and so so consistent. And th that's one of the things that really impressed me about Jack's work is he not only had a, a, a distinct vision for what he wanted to do, but, but it was very high quality across the board. So we ended up in lens work number I think it was number 148, we published a portfolio of mountain scenes. Probably maybe he's best known for the mountain scenes. I, I, I don't know, but they're, they're, they were spectacular. And then, um, th then, you know, he passed away. And we thought, what are we going to do with these other two portfolios? And uh, even though we, we had just published him in Lenswork number 148 and he had the cover of that issue – we're publishing him, him again in Lenswork number 150 as an honorarium, or not an honorarium, a memorial to his, uh, his work with some comments about his passing away. Uh, in this case, we're doing the, the botanicals. Uh, we've never before published a photographer in two such close issues, but he, he just deserves it. And I don't know if I could say anything more about that other than he was the real deal. He, he really had a creative eye. He had a creative technique. He did everything masterfully. And boy, if you, if you want to see someone who you can hold up as an inspiration for the creative life, uh, let alone all the humanitarian and, and compassionate issues we've talked about earlier. If you just want to look at it from a creative individual's point of view, Jack is probably as, as good an example as you'll find because he worked in so many different subject materials, in so many different uh, uh, visions, if you will. Uh, it, it's just spectacular. And I, I think he's just a tremendous loss that we've lost him because he was just at the edge of, I think, making some some major contributions to the world of photography and we're going to really miss him for that yeah absolutely i mean i can 
I guess I can say this safely. I, I don't do a lot of black and white, but every time I talked to Jack and looked at his work, it inspired me to want to try more black and white. And I actually did some some black and white work after we were at, out of Yosemite together and really enjoyed working working through that process and kind of using some of his approaches. So I personally was very inspired by the way he thinks about uh, photography and how he presents his imagery and his his just his creative vision. It it definitely had a tendency to rub off on you if you let it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jennifer or John, did you want to add anything to that? I guess I would. I I mean, I guess I feel very fortunate that I got to spend a good bit of time with him in the spring months on Zoom calls, processing with him. I mean, he was processing. He was personally teaching me the way he saw black and white. And um, it changed the way I saw things. You know, I'm a landscape photographer and everything has been in color. I've done some black and white, not much. Um, But I really learned to see things differently. Uh, I learned to see through Jack's eyes, be inspired differently than I had been in the past. So he made a huge impact on me and my artwork. And, you know, I hopefully can pass that on to other people that I'll continue to work with and honor him in that way. I, um, he was encouraging to me and I, I appreciate that. You know, I submitted a portfolio to the same group that he had won photographer of the year. And I think it was a year or two ago and I won, um, for the United States ranked two. And he found that out just a couple of weeks before his passing. So I had thanked him for that. And he's like, I didn't have anything to do with it. It was all you. Um, oh. But I don't think that's true. I think he found a way to share his insight and, and, and teach and really help people see things a little differently. I'll always take that with me. Always, always remember that. And I'll always try and teach in the same way. Yeah. What about for you, John? Yeah, I, I think Chuck said it most eloquently, really. Um, you know, as I was reviewing his work again today, and as a matter of fact, I was working with a private one-on-one situation with a, one of my customers today. And I went to his website to say, well, here's, here's what I'm trying to, to help you visualize as another possibility. And so I went right to his website, went to the botanicals because we were speaking about flowers to help her understand what another right answer might look like and, and potentially uh, something to do there. But I, I like the way Chuck put it, that there, no matter what subject matter that you look at with Jack's work, there is a, uh, a uniformity to it. There's a sameness to it in the, and that you know. And to me, one of the hardest things to do is to, to look at, like I can look at Chuck Kimley's work and I know it's a Chuck Kimley before I even see whose it is if it's posted somewhere. That's really hard to do. Uh, same with uh, the other two I've spoken about, Mitch Browner and Cole Thompson. You know their work immediately. Same thing with Jack. And, and what's I think even more unique with Jack's is the various or the varied types of scenery that he's photographing and presenting that to keep that uniformity to look like Jack Curran work is pretty impressive. So I know that's something I struggle with. And so that is how that's going to affect me moving forward, trying to be more focused in, in a a look that I'm trying to create. Mm. Yeah. That actually kind of reminded me 
of a story about Jack that that I learned from a couple of other people, and it was also my experience with him. Is uh, he loved to collect and support other photographers' black and white work. Um, I remember when he supported my podcast. I asked him if, he, if there was anything I could do for him, and he was like, "Yeah, send me a send me a black and white print." And I was like, well, I don't do a lot of black and white, Jack, but uh, I'll, s- I'll send you something. And, and then I found out that uh, if, if you saw his wall in his house where he did a lot of his work for, you know, Zoom conference calls and things like that, it was filled with other photographers' work. And I just, I thought that was so cool to see that he also had a high appreciation and supported other artists in our community. And I think... Like once again, I th- I find that to be highly inspiring in terms of, you know, his membership in our community and how he elevated it, um, in the way that he did. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing those those stories about what his photography means to you. Um, what do you guys think are the long term impacts of his photography and his approach to to the craft? And I'm just gonna pick on somebody, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Chuck. <laughs> It's really hard, I think, to talk about longevity in in photography because things do change a lot. But I, I do think with Jack, you know, he's not photographing for now. He's not photographing to impress people with the latest technique, HDR or um, um, whatever else, uh, Milky Way stuff. He's He's not doing what's popular at the moment but instead is photographing what's important to him um, with, with his creativity and, and his, um, uh, his style and, and his vision. And I think what he's going to contribute to the future is, is, is not necessarily in his work, but in the students he has helped teach and inspire and, and his contemporaries who he's helped teach and inspire. And, you know, it's kind of people like him help the rest of us move forward. And I think that's actually far more important than than his individual work. Hmm. Well said. <laughs> uh, John. John, Chuck, thanks for sharing that. I, you know, as I was thinking about that, as Chuck was speaking, that w- what was on my mind is what we talked about as a group first. And I think it's appropriate that we what we spoke about first was who he was as a human being and not necessarily his work. And to me, the long-lasting or the long-term impact of Jack Curran, not necessarily his work, is that I want to be more giving you know, to others. I want to be more helpful to others. I want to... Um, teach others to, which I think I do, but I'd like to do better in that department and trying to help others to honor their vision, learn what their vision is and make images that make their heart sing and do that what Jack did so, so well. So I agree, Chuck. I think that's right on the money that his long lasting impact certainly will be lens work copies of magazines that people will see for now in the future and be awed by that incredible work but to learn about who he was and that we take forward i think is much more important i agree chuck well said yeah that's that's i don't think i could say say it any better uh, what about I'll, I'll let you try though jennifer brooks <laughs> I know. I think that was perfectly said. I, 
you know, I think his lessons and his teachings are going to go a long way. And I say that because a lot of the people that he was um, doing his virtual webinars with and in-person sessions, I mean, they ranged in age from their 30s to their 70s. And that's four decades of people that are going to remember him and his work and have been influenced by him. Um, and I think that will live on for a long time. Well, I think if you look back in history a little bit, you'll realize that what Chuck said is is absolutely true. I mean, even someone as as famous as a photographer as Ansel Adams, when you get right down to it, we, we know and remember Ansel Adams for, what, a, a couple of dozen images out of the tens of thousands that he probably made in his life. But look at all the people whose lives he touched through his teaching, through his inspiration, how many people he got started in photography because they all wanted to make work that was as gorgeous as he did. Jack is in that league, in my way of thinking. He, he he made contributions through his images that will be remembered, but even more so, he made contributions by touching people. And I think Chuck absolutely got it right. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to be around to know 100 years from now if that's true for Jack, but it is true when we look back. And so I think it will be true for Jack. Hmm. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And I think, like you said, it's uh... – I think his impacts will be long-term in terms of inspiring others and the way that he taught others. And I think there will, we will see that. So I think that's, I think that's right on the money. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little and let's talk about maybe one of your favorite images of Jackson. I guess I can kick us off on this one. If you haven't spent time recently on his website, I got to spend time on it a little bit today again. And, uh, there's an image that he has. He he has a he has a series called Water's Edge on his on his gallery, and I really appreciate that theme just because I don't I live in the mountains and I never get to see the ocean, and uh, even more rarely I don't see the photographs of the ocean that are done in in black and white. So he has a photo. It's <laughs> it's simply titled Water's Edge Eight, you know, uh, and it's this fantastic image of I think it's a long exposure of this uh, very lonely but kind of uh, striking tree that's out in the water in the ocean, uh, consumed by waves, and then there's this uh, there's this branch in the foreground, probably driftwood or something that just kind of perfectly frames that tree up and the the foreground tree is kind of light uh and the and the tree in the distance is dark and then all of the water is in the sky is like white and gray and it's just i mean it's very moody to me it just speaks to me emotionally and uh i don't know it screams jack curran <laughs> so uh, i really like that particular image uh what about for you john Yep, uh, easy for me because it's, I believe it's a recent image of his. Uh, but if you go to the Death Valley, uh, page and you look at the, the second image or the, the middle image in that first row of images, it's footprints on the playa out in Death Valley. And to me, it's very symbolic. Uh, it's these, what you've got very black playa with these white, footprints 
walking off into the distance. And is that, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this, honestly, uh, kind of a spiritual image for me because it's the last image I remember seeing of his before hearing of his passing. And it's as if those are his footprints walking into heaven. I mean, that's what that image says, screams to me. And so it's, uh, it's very symbolic. Mm. Yeah, I know exactly which image you're talking about because he used it uh, when he taught it out of Chicago Live. Um, and I remember seeing the Raphael, and it was amazing to see his vision for bringing that image to life. It was uh, it was fantastic. So yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, really great. Yeah. Jennifer. Hi. Well, I have two. Um, the first one, he, well, he sent me some images that we're using for our workshops and it's, it's named Jennifer DV image number nine. <laughs> so I don't really know what he named it. Um, but it is this amazing detail photo in the sand dunes. And he said he used his one to 400 and, and he isolated just the light on the curve of a sand dune. It is such a simplistic yet incredibly beautiful piece of fine art. And so maybe it's named image number nine in death Valley. Not sure, but I'm, I'm sure if you find it on his website, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. A very simplistic detail. And I think the second one just a, a little funny story, but when oh, we I see were, it. And you see it? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So when we were in Yosemite, um, we went for a hike and went to the waterfall. And as I, you know, seemed to have a habit of doing, I slipped and, and slid down on my backside, which, you know, I Grace is not my middle name. And <laughs> when I got to the bottom, I looked up and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm giggling because I mean, I fall a lot when I get excited and I go a little too fast. But uh, so anyway, I walked out to the edge of the rock, got out, composed myself and just sat there for a minute. And my phone pinged. And I looked down and it was a photo of me sitting on the rock. And the text said, can you sign the insurance policy I took out on you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a portrait of me in Yosemite. But uh, that'll always be one of my favorites, too. That's awesome. Uh, what about either you, Brooks, or or Chuck? For me, it's an easy choice because when I was working with Jack on his monograph for lens work, the, the issue about which image do we put on the cover came up. And I, I always default to whatever the photographer wants to put on the cover, if we can possibly do so, simply because it's their work and it's their statement and it's their art. And I, I want to represent uh, on the cover, the image they're most proud of. And Jack said, no, no, no. He said, you're, you're publishing the thing. You pick your favorite. And I said, well, I do have one that uh, that really speaks to me. And if you don't mind, you know, let's do that one on the cover. And so I, I did a quick mock-up and sent it to him. And he said, perfect, that's it. Let's use it. And he said, why? Why is that s such a favorite of yours? And I said, Jack, because it reminds me so much of you. It's a very intimate look at a botanical. And with uh, the kind of lighting that he does, it draws our attention in on that one particular plant. I said, but, but it, it looks like it's kind of a little bit of a shy plant because <laughs> there's this, this center part of the plant is, is wanting to peek 
out from the middle of the plant. And I said, it kind of reminds me of you. Here you are with all this talent and all this wonderful photographic vision, but yet it took you years to submit anything to Lensworth. And this image reminds me of you. And he said, perfect, use it. And so that's the one that's on the cover of the Lensworth monograph. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great when uh, when, a, when a photograph of from a person reminds you of that person and their personality. I think that's great. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Chuck. <sighs> um, you know, the choice of favors, it's so ephemeral because they change on a constant hourly by hourly basis. But I think the one that sticks with me of his the most, especially in the current times we live in, he's got a picture looking straight down at, at uh, I think it's a patch of barrel cactus. And he has worked the hell out of the picture, which is one thing I love about Jack's work because he puts a lot of effort. He works his pictures like rented mules, but you can't see his technique it, it's hidden he's that he's that good so if you're in a know you know he did it but i know kind of what he did but you can't see it and it's a barrel cactus from the top and everything is burned to nothing to black except for the tops of the barrel cactus and when you look at the picture they look a lot like those images of the little coronaviruses, uh, not the actual virus itself, but those little graphics that uh, some graphic artist creates to show us what it looks like. And it looks like a bunch of individual round blobs of, of something. And it just reminded me of coronavirus every time I look at that picture. And I thought that was very, very cool because it looks nothing like what it actually is. And you actually have to use your imagination to see cactus in it. And the other one might be the same one, Matt, that you mentioned at Botany Bay. And it is, uh, foreground is a very dark, long, long horizontal piece of, of driftwood or deadfall framing a tree out in the bay. And I just think that picture is is so beautiful in its simplicity. But I think, though, we have found the one chink in the Jack Curran armor, and that is his inability to properly and um, and politely uh, name his photo something that we can uh, reference. <laughs> I was going to say, that entire gallery is like Water's Edge, Water's Edge 2, Water's Edge 10. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, those are great. I, I was actually, as we were talking, I was able to find all of them on his website. So hopefully I can reach out to, I guess his son is managing his, his website now. Is, is that the story? Uh, That's what he's hearing. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I just did hear recently, unless somebody can correct me, but I thought what I heard was uh, that his son made a statement with regard to, there was a, a third part of the processing series. He's got one and two, obviously you can purchase now still on the website. Uh, but the third part of that was just about done before he passed. And I heard that his son was going to be making that available on the website. So that that's why I'm guessing that his son is running the website still. Oh, that's great. I mean, well, so last question for you guys, you know, don't rush to, uh, to volunteer to go first, but, um, 
what are you doing or what would you like to do to honor his memory? Chuck. All right. I am going to save the rest of you and let you think, and I'm going to take the bullet here. Um, Honestly, I, I don't think there's anything that I could do that would actually honor him personally, but I do think to honor his art, one of, you know, one of the things that, that I will always remember him for is, is just the way he photographed. He found uh, something to photograph in everything, even something that is um, ubiquitous among uh the 500 pixel website and, and um, Instagram and photograph those things in ways that uh, makes them new. And I think that's the best I can do is to try to, you know, continue his, in my own meager way, his, his legacy in, in just the joy of seeing. Mm. Yeah. That's well, that's, that's a good call. I think, you know, Jack definitely had a way of making something old look totally new. And that's something that very, very, very few people can do well. So I appreciate that. Uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Chuck, because Chuck, you know how I feel about you and your work. I mean, you are that. You're certainly an equal to to Jack's work in, in creativity and your own unique style. So I think that's I think that's instructive uh, for all those who might be listening, that even when you rise to the level of a Chuck Kimberly, you can continue to be inspired by other great photographers or, and you know what, I'm going to change that, or by other photographers. Doesn't even have to be great photographers. I don't, you know, we use that so freely sometimes, and uh, there's so many good photographers out there who might not get into lens work or what have you, but they're still great photographers. But, you know, again, for me, you know, moving forward, as much as it's a, we, we want to talk about his work here, for me, his impact is going to be, you know, how I try to communicate and work within this community that I'm blessed to be part of. And I'll just reveal a soft little underbelly. I mean, the, the pandemic was hard for me. I mean, it really was a struggle those first two months because three years ago, I decided to go full time as a photographer and get rid of a medical sales business I had for 35 years. And then all of a sudden, you know, like the whole world fell apart and Jack had introduced me to Jennifer and, you know, I really wanted to help desperately and I just couldn't. I mean, I just was stuck in a really bad place and I just reached out to Jennifer recently, mainly because of Jack, because I, I felt like I let Jack down and I let Jennifer down. And so I reached out to her again with an apology and just said, look, I want to do better and I want to be there for you. And so that's the legacy personally that that jack will have is that i can get back to to being like jack was with being helpful to all those around me that i can because because there's so many good people who deserve support and in love and all those good things that we can do for them and you know chuck has been a great friend and extremely supportive of, of my business and and so i want to i want to continue to do that for others as well hmm. awesome uh go ahead brooks well, I mentioned earlier that uh, we're publishing uh, another portfolio of Jack's The Botanical Series in Lenswork number 150 specifically because we wanted to honor his memory. And so for those of you who are subscribers to Lenswork, you'll get another chance to see some of his really stunning images in, in that publication. And, and I hope you enjoy them as much as we did 
remembering Jack as we put the issue together. So it'll, it's uh, the December issue of this year. So it's not out yet, but it will be um, here shortly. Wonderful. Yeah. That would be great to check that out. And, and, you know, I'm sure you appreciate this Brooks, but, you know, seeing someone's work in a tangible medium like print is always so much better than seeing it online. So I thank you for, for doing that. Um, Jennifer. Yeah, I think um, for me, to honor Jack, the best way I guess I can honor Jack is is to continue with at least the two workshops that we have already scheduled. And it's it's actually going to be, I would say, very hard to proceed. I, I have emailed everybody. I mean, we sold one of those workshops out in five minutes and then five minutes, you know, booked the hotel. And within five minutes of that, you know, it sold out again. So a couple of his friends were in there, a lot of my regulars. And... So I had to reach out to everybody with the news and how do I proceed? You know, do, do I even do it was part of my question. And then one of his friends said he would want you to continue. And he's probably right in saying that. So I think I'm going to honor him at those workshops um, by trying to inspire and use what he taught me to teach them, but to also inspire them to follow the instruction of other black and white photographers. Um, you know, how do you honor such a, a wonderful person and a, a great artist other than try to be that kind of person for somebody else to follow his lead um, and try and be that for someone else. So. Well said, I guess I can uh, go last for me. What I'm going to dedicate uh, in honor of Jack is trying to be more like Jack, you know, paying attention to someone in the community that might benefit from being connected with somebody that I know in a way that maybe only I'm able to connect them that way or, or I'm able to see that connection. I think that was something that Jack was very gifted at and very generous, generous with in terms of helping people adv uh, advance themselves as people and as photographers. So maybe we could lay down a challenge for listeners to, to try to try to also do something in honor of Jack. And maybe we can even create a stupid hashtag or something like in Jack's honor or something like that. But I think that would be great if, if, uh, if we could all just be a little bit more like Jack. <laughs> Love it. <That's> said. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, man, this has been, uh, I, I don't want to say it was fun, but I definitely felt like it was a great way to spend an evening with some amazing photographers who have a mutual appreciation of someone who I think we're all going to miss. Um, and, and I just wanted to thank you all for taking your time out of your busy schedules to, to do this podcast with us. Happy yeah. to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. This is wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, thank, thank you for doing this, Matt. We'll miss you. 100%. Yeah. yeah. We do miss you, Jack. All right. Well, thanks to our panelists for joining me to celebrate the life of Jack Curran. Jack, you will be dearly missed, my friend. In honor of Jack, what will you do to help out a fellow photographer? I'd love to hear about your commitment on Instagram or on Facebook. Jennifer King also wanted me to share that along with Tony Sweet, 
Kai Tao, and Art Wolf. She is supporting the Photography for the Fight Against Breast Cancer, or PFABC. Each year, leaders of the photographic industry come together to show their support and help raise money for, the, for photography for the fight against breast cancer. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and it's the perfect time for us to come together as a community to do our part in this ongoing fight. We hope that you'll join us this year in our efforts to make a difference. Your support is greatly appreciated by many friends, families, and fellow photographers. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.